welcome to the Red Mountain Community. Is this the first time we're calling it Austin the Red Mountain Community Church Podcast? Yeah, we're pulling, yeah, pulling a fast one on you. It's the Red Mountain Community Church Podcast where you can hear conversations with the people of Red Mountain Community Church as we pursue Jesus together and figure out what in the world that looks like. Each episode highlights what God is doing in someone's life or a specific theme in light of what God has revealed in the Bible. I'm Peter Franson from Spirit Blade Productions and your fellow seat warmer at Red Mountain Community Church. My co-host today is Zach Hollyfield. Is it Hollyfield? Yeah, Holly you got it right. Okay. I was wondering how's he gonna do this. Is it, or is it Hollyfield or, or like how does the how does the puncher guy say it? What's I, what's the pun, the boxer man? Oh Holyfield. Holyfield. Yeah, the okay. puncher guy, yeah. The so boxer. it is yeah, yeah. The, the puncher <laughs> I'm super into sports. You're a sport guy. <laughs> <laughs> and you are our pastor of young adults. Is that the title? Or? Yeah, it's technically director of young adult ministry, which anybody on staff will laugh at that because oh, it's okay. a running joke. But yeah, director of young adult ministry. They do like when new positions I've noticed when new positions get hired, uh, sometimes I get caught off guard because they change the title sure. when they bring the new person on. So I was, well, okay. you know, they want to leave room if like there's an annulment or something like this guy's a wacko actually when you get rid <laughs> yeah, of him, you know, right. he wasn't a pastor, he just was that's a director. Right. That's so right. I think okay. that's probably what it goes down to. <laughs> um, so what are you doing? I mean, how would you describe your job in a nutshell? I am tasked with pastoring, even though I'm a director, but pastoring 18 to 25-year-olds as they seek to um, discover what God is calling them to in life and to help them integrate into the broader life of Red Mountain Community Church. Okay. Um, 18 to 25-year-old period in life can be a really exciting one, a really fun one. It's a ve- it's one where a lot of stuff changes, yeah. um, but it can be really difficult as well, figuring out what is life about. My parents aren't forcing me to go to youth group anymore what do I actually think about Jesus? Um, and so but then there's other people who are like, no, I really love Jesus and I need to be discipled. I really want to grow in that. And so you have people all over the map and my job and my team, it's not just me, my wife, and then we have several leaders. Um, we just come along students wherever they're at um, and um, help them see where the Spirit is leading them in school, in life, and then in service to the local church. Okay. And what, is that, uh, what does that look like in terms of like plug something for those people to sure. participate in. Yeah, so we get together Sunday nights at 7 in the gym and have what we call Young Adult Gathering. It's a time of fellowship, of teaching, of worship. Um, sometimes we just have like chill vibe game nights also. Um, nice. And then Tuesdays we alternate right now between volleyball and Bible study. So, for example, last night we had volleyball this coming Tuesday, we'll have Bible study and we just flip flop like that. Um, a girl's Bible study and a guy's Bible study. So, um, and beyond that there's events. Um, we have a big retreat in the summer and then we're trying to add different, um, events throughout the year. So one coming up is secret church, which is like a really cool five hour study prayer time. Um, learning about the persecuted church and things like that. So, mm. so those are some of the, some of the things we're doing. Cool. Yeah. And feel free to find me. I don't know if I should say this, but on Instagram yeah. or wherever, just to, if you like, have no idea what Red Mountain is, you've com- somehow came across this, like reach out to me, my wife, anybody connected, and we'd love to get you plugged in. What's your, what's your Instagram? Uh, it's just Zach Hollyfield. Okay. Just straight up. Yeah. Really cool. simple. Let's see here. That is H-O-L-L-I- Field. Yes. And Zach with C-H, the correct way. Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, what do you do for fun? Um, yeah, you told me you're going to ask me this and I was like, I hate this question because oh. my answer is usually like, I read. 
Okay. I mean, that's, I mean, I love it. It depends on what you read. I'll I'll only make fun of you depending on what you read. I read a lot of history and theology, which is probably very predictable. And then I do love, so my favorite author is this guy named Alexander Solzhenitsyn, which is this uh, Russian novelist and essayist. Yeah. With Um, that name. Anyways, so I love to read. I mean, I have a wife, Sydney, who, I mean, that's fun is just hanging out with her, honestly. If we're going to Target, on a target run, that's fun. Nice. Um, especially if Knox, our son, is with us. Um, but beyond that, if it's just like me, what does Zach do? I'm pretty boring. I'll just either read or play video games with some friends nice. at night. So nice. Well, the reading and stuff as a pastime that suits your calling. Yeah, you know? and it's just as relaxing. You know, my mouth is open, t- talking to people a lot for my job, and so to just sit there and have through a book someone talking to me is kind of. Yeah, it's relaxing yeah. to me in a way, which well, relaxing to me is fun. What do you? What games do you play when you play with friends? Um, I, dude, I'm so out of like the like gaming world. I that's just right. jump onto like Warzone. Uh, okay, and play that with friends because that's what they're playing. Yeah, um, that's the that's the Call of Duty. Yeah, Warzone, Call of right? Duty. It's like they're um, yeah, where there's like a hundred people on the map or whatever. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, Battle Royale. So okay, yeah, I, I I've loved in the past though. Um, like uh, Fallout or just like big like role player mm. games, but I just don't know. I'm just not in the world to know. Like, there's probably some good ones out right now. I'm just not aware of. Oh, um, let let me help. You. Okay, please. Thank you. See, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because I'm really getting tired of the like two games I do play right now. So I'm like, I need something I can just like lose myself in like a story or like something like that. Yeah. So. Well, I'm that's I'm joking though because seriously, I mean, I will I will I can help you, but man, Fallout. Games like that, those big expansive mm-hmm. role-playing games, they can suck you in. Yeah. You got to budget your time or it will get away yeah. from you. Oh my gosh. I, and I have. My wife works two nights shifts a week and that's when I play. Otherwise, yeah, yeah. I just am like, I can't, I'm not going to turn it on. Nice. So that's, that's nice. how I, that's a wise That's husband. a boundary I have yeah. for myself. <laughs> so what would be something about the, the ministry role you're in now that is chal- particularly challenging or difficult, would hmm. you say? That's a really good question. Um, I I enjoy it a lot. So even I guess some of the things that people would consider challenging, I'm just like that's what this job is, and I enjoy mm. it. But um, some of it is walking with students through um, things that have occurred in their past. Mm. Um, a lot of times, I, at least I feel like people in the 1820s they begin thinking through their personal histories and. They're experiencing anxiety for the first time. What's that connected to? Like, mm. where, where is this coming from? And so, a challenging thing. It's not something I don't. It's not something I like avoid or don't enjoy doing. Still, but hearing some like family histories or hard things that people have gone through or are currently going through mm. um, can be challenging um, to know how to walk with that person. Yeah. To, to to figure out how do I how do I be a tangible representation of Jesus to this person yeah. right here, right now. Um, and then a way less heavy one is, I love you young adults, but you're flaky. And so, uh, and it takes you forever to commit because I get it. I'm 27. I'm not that like farther ahead, but I get it. It's like some, like you have an event on a Friday. Well, something better could come up on Thursday. And so yeah. if I commit on Wednesday, I'm, I'm in trouble. Yeah. So yeah. the flakiness can be tough. Like texting somebody 20 times, like, Hey, it's, you know, you said you're going to go, but I need you to register. So yeah. that can be a challenging part, but that's just a, a funny one. And you know. So what would be something that you find you're maybe especially enjoying or find yourself suited to in your work? I think I'm really, I hope this doesn't come off as arrogant in any way, but I really enjoy teaching. Mm. I feel like I've been very gifted in that. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And so I love teaching. I love thinking through series we're going to do. Um, and then um, as a part of that, we do discussion groups after every teaching time where okay. we, we break up into small groups and talk. And I just love sitting down and walking through questions and hearing what the young adults think and how they're processing stuff. And even if they have pushback or something, yeah. um, I really love getting into like the nitty gritty like of, of conversation with them. So, nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Uh, okay. So we are not doing the poll anymore because y'all don't participate. <laughs> no, some of you do. Some of you do. And I thank those of you who did. But we're like, no, we, we can do something else here. Um, now, we don't know what that something else is yet. So it has been left to me to fill the space. <laughs> and so for now, what that means is we're going back to some would you rather. Oh, baby. Until, until, we, get, until we get some better ideas either out of my noggin or suggested to me by those helping behind the scenes to, to orchestrate this thing or from you, dear listeners. So, uh, but until then, uh, this is the best I got. So, Zach. Okay. Would you rather... Meet your greatest hero and vomit on him or her. Oh, man. Or, in trying to meet them, be arrested and publicly accused of stalking. Vomit. Really? I think, I Wait, think, okay, stop. Okay, rewind. Who's your hero in your head right now? Well, on this one, it's probably C.S. Lewis. Mm. Gracious man. So I'm thinking the vomit thing we can get through and then hopefully <laughs> still hang out. But the stalker thing kind of ruins any chance of like vibing so yeah. I, i'm gonna take the vomit yeah yeah i think i, I know that sounds weird but that's just where i'm <sighs> i just feel like there's a chance still to hang out with the person maybe because you're already close enough to vomit on them yeah and you're like, i'm sorry this is just i had to agree to this with this question with pater <laughs> to get to the situation and so <laughs> this was a hard one for me even though i chose it because I have a very vivid imagination, and so I, I'm imagining these things playing out. I care way too much about what people think of me. It's mm. really a sickness, uh, and so I, I couldn't. That. I couldn't deal with being arrested and publicly accused of stalking. You oh, know, I, I know. So I think I gotta go with vomit. But I was thinking, like, well, who? I'm kind of jaded these days. Who would I call like a hero? I was like, you know, 10, 20, 15, 20 years ago, I would have said Steve Green. Do you even know that name, Steve Green? I, I don't. No, that's okay. He's like this uh, old school inspirational Christian singer that oh, I was really okay. into in, in college. Cool. But I was like, oh no, who would and then I realized, oh no, it would be <laughs> it would be William Lane Craig. Oh who's man. like my probably he's a well known yeah. uh, philosopher and apologist and Brilliant he guy. comes up named as Bill Craig in our conversation in a little bit here. But uh, William Lane Craig and and I just imagine that scenario of like meeting him and oh Dr. Craig I just want and then and I think I think like you can recover. Like your Lewis situation, if you watch Craig, he's so gracious. Mm -hmm. He is so gracious. I'm like, you know, he's gonna be okay. Um, and, and he's like, maybe had it happen before. Maybe, People do you know, get nervous and just vomit. That's a great point. He's like, point. you know what actually happens all the time. That's a great point. <laughs> and as far as in this scenario that I'm imagining, it's not necessarily, I mean, maybe it would be public like after a, a speaking engagement and people are filtering out and stuff. It's going to be a select number of people that are going to be witnesses right. to this. And so... I can control the story. It'll because yeah. it'll make a good story, yes, right? That's, right? That's a great story. Puking right. on William Lane Craig. That's an awesome story. Yeah. And I can be completely in control of the narrative. Yeah, you know, I so, get that. It gets it gets hairy if there's like sympathetic vomiting 
from the person we're vomiting oh, on. Oh, so you get the they vomit, vomit back. back on you. Oh my An even better story. <laughs> that is a better story. <laughs> that is a better story. Oh, I do feel bad, though. I think I should probably email him and apologize. Um, for, yeah. for, I mean, if you have a vivid, yeah, you've done it to him in your head already. So. Yeah, I mean, it's so vivid. I think <laughs> I might have. Uh, anyway, guys, if you want to save us from this kind of thing in the future, then you need to message us on Instagram or Facebook with suggestions for fun things that we can do or talk about before the interview. Or so help me, it's only going to get weirder and more uncomfortable from here. <laughs> well, praise God I went this week then. Yeah, that's- <laughs> <laughs> um, but you are in for a good show today. I think we had a great conversation with uh, Richard Weisenberger about his faith and ministry as an elder and a teacher here at Red Mountain. So here is that conversation with much less vomit talk for you right now. Well, Richard, thank you for taking time out to do this. Um, I have been looking forward to this in particular because there's, I suspect, an interest that you and I have in common, but we'll get to that, I think, in the in the course of the questions mm-hmm. here. Um, for those kind of, I want to just kind of get a snapshot of who you are for those that maybe aren't familiar with you, maybe haven't been to your sure. class. Um, sure. You've been working at Boeing for a while which right. I think every fifth person at Red Mountain, they, they work there. Uh, Something like that. Maybe yeah. not quite that many, but yeah. Um, how, a few of us. How long have you been there, and, and what kind of work are you doing there? So about 36 years, August and, oh, wow. or no, excuse me, October 1985, we moved out here. Okay. I started working there. Uh, so 36 years almost. Wow. And so I work, I'm an engineer, mechanical engineer. I work in the flight technology department in the dynamics group. And what that is, we do vibration analysis and testing. Helicopters vibrate a lot. Okay. Uh, we also do things involving dynamic loads, so like uh, landing gear. Okay. Analyzing landing gear loads and things like that. Um, <clears throat> more recently, I've also been able to, uh, I had the privilege of working on the Starliner program, which is a new space capsule, which oh, Boeing wow. has been struggling with, not my part. But uh, <laughs> of course, my, yeah, of course not, right? <laughs> my part has been to uh, analyze the crew loads. So, like we did testing with a crash dummy, a drop tower in the in the capsule seat, measure measure neck loads, head accelerations, compare those with analysis, and uh, so we're there to make sure that uh, nobody gets hurt in this thing, right? Wow, that's so, incredible. So, so that's really really fun work. It's it's been a real blessing. You must be like sworn to all kinds of secrecy on stuff. Uh, not so much. No. Okay. No. I mean, he's no, talking about it here, so it can't <laughs> yeah. be. Yeah. Well, yeah, can you tell me who's going to space? I thought NASA was, is oh, this for could, the billionaire market? Uh, no, these are, these are astronauts going to the station. This is, this is for, uh, replacement really for the space shuttle, right? And you've okay. probably seen SpaceX, Elon Musk's outfit. They've, mm-hmm. they've already sent folks up to the Oh, okay. So I'm you, out, so, I don't know what's going on. So you really yeah, are a rocket okay. scientist. Um, Sort of. I'm going to say you're rock <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's go with that. <laughs> now, your wife is from Costa Rica. That's correct. Which I think I knew at a time yes. and totally forgot. Yeah. Uh, so, how did you guys meet? Because, I mean, where are you from? California. Yeah, I didn't think that yeah. accent was nowhere, Costa Rican. Nowhere close. Yeah. No. Yeah, well, that's that's a story of international intrigue and adventure, Ooh. actually. Wow. I had to, <laughs> I had to go to Africa believe it or not, 
in order to be able to meet her. That's not where I met her. Okay. But that's how the whole story sort of begins. So, I mean, how much time do we got? You're good. Go. You're good? Okay. Um, so, this was back in the early 80s, around 82. I was living in L.A., just started my job uh, there. And um, really just kind of, at that point, finding my way in my Christian walk, right? Okay. Uh, we'll get to that part later, maybe. Yeah. So, um my brother was going to a Presbyterian church in the area at the time, and they were organizing a trip to Africa. And he was going on this trip. Uh, he's, he's a doctor, and so he was going on a... His part was going to be medical mission, but the rest of the, the group was going to visit various uh, missionaries in different countries there. Mm. And he invited me to go. He said, well, you should really think about going on this trip. This is a once-in-a-lifetime trip. And uh, I thought, uh, you know, five weeks, how can I, I you know, I'm only maybe a year into my job here, not even that. How am I going to get that time and, and uh, how am I even going to afford that, really? And I talked to my boss. I was working for a small consulting company, and thankfully they were rather flexible about the whole thing. They said, hey, yeah, sure, you can go. Wow. We'll cover for you. Wow. And uh, if you need a loan on the... For, for getting the ticket or whatever mm -hmm. the cost, of, well, we can spot you that too. Wow. wow. Okay, so I'm going, right? So I'm on this trip. And uh, it turns out that the wife of the pastor who was leading the trip was my future sister-in-law, unbeknownst oh. to me. I hadn't mm. met them before. I didn't know who they even were. But behind the scenes, there was a little bit of a family conspiracy because her doctor was my brother. Oh, she had had cancer, and my brother was a, a radiation oncologist, and so we hadn't even gotten there yet, right? We're still on the plane, and I'm talking with her, and she's asking me all these questions. Do you have a girlfriend? Not at the moment. Well, my sister's visiting; she's taking care of our daughter. <laughs> oh man! While we're in Africa, you should meet. <laughs> and before, again, before we even got there, she's calling me cuñado, which means brother-in-law in Spanish. Oh, my wow. gosh. And it sort of became the running gag throughout the, throughout the trip. Um, unfortunately, during the trip, her cancer reappeared, mm. and uh, she, she had an operation then in, in, uh, in South Africa, uh, and they got kind of disconnected from the trip, and I forget exactly how it all went, but um, I came back, and still, this meeting happened, right? Um, we got together in uh, some some church function. I think it was was uh, everybody coming back from the trip explaining what they, what they did and mm -hmm. how the trip went and what they learned and things like that. And so you'd met your future wife by this point. No, I hadn't. Oh, you hadn't? I hadn't you even met her. You just heard about her I just trip. heard about oh, her, wow, right? Oh, okay. And, and, of course, her, her sister, you know, for whatever reason, took an interest in me and really wanted us to meet, I think because she wanted another family member hmm. in the States, somebody close by. And, of course, they were sisters, and she... She wanted her there, um, but she had designs. I don't know. I don't know what she knew, <laughs> but she knew something, and she had my brother's help 
to kind of put that together. But anyway, through all, all that thing, we, we still were able to meet at this function, and, and sometime later we started going out, we hit it off, and the rest, they say, is history. Wow. We're still here. But it's just remarkable to me to look back and consider how the Lord can take two people from such diverse backgrounds. Yeah culturally, language-wise, all of that, yet still have that common bond in the Lord. You know, she was raised, in, you know, evangelical, and which is unusual in Costa Rica, mm. being mostly a Catholic country, mm-hmm. um, and was kind of dealing with some similar things that I was at the moment, so we just kind of had this connection, I think, and we both really felt like it took some time to work some things through, right? And her sister being ill and 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 passing away the following year before we even were able to get married. Oh wow! Um, but that was all of that worked really, I think, for the relationship to to be stronger. Wow! And to really see the it was the Lord's hand putting it together, not us. He was he was the matchmaker, not really her her sister. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, how how was um uh like I, I don't even know if I've ever spoken to your wife. Maybe I have at some point briefly, I'm but sure. what how was yeah. her English at the time and how is her English now? I can't remember anything <laughs> yeah. about it was good. I mean she you know, she has a bit of an accent, but it's um in fact her her main job right now is is uh, court interpreter oh. at the Mesa Municipal Court. She oh. she interprets Spanish. So her English is quite good. At the time, she felt like it wasn't. We could communicate just fine. Okay, that's good. She she felt like it was difficult for her. But uh, pretty early on, I knew I needed to learn Spanish, not so I could communicate with her so much, but really for self-defense when the family was there to know what was happening (laughs) because there'd be... All sorts of conversation happening. And, oh and yeah. I'm like, well, what's what are they saying? Why are they laughing right now? What are they really talking about here? Oh yeah. And so I knew it was important. So I started learning Spanish almost right away. Wow. And um, she was my lab, right? You take classes. You have yes. a lab. I didn't go to the lab. With the, she was my lab. Nice. And um, a good teacher. Nice. So yeah, no, her English is great. Wow. Um. Okay, so you you kind of alluded to it, uh, to just kind of where your faith was at. So I kind of want to, uh, you know, rewind earlier in your life and follow that track a bit, and kind of hear about the the road you took to becoming an elder at Red Mountain. Starting with, if you could share how you came to faith in Jesus. What did that What did that look like? How did that play out? Well, I was raised in a Christian home, went to church every Sunday, and from my earliest memories, ideas. Uh, I've always believed in God. I've always believed in Jesus that I can I can remember. Okay. All of that just was kind of um, part of my upbringing, but also just part of my natural thinking. I can still remember as, as a young child just contemplating the universe. I was, I was always fascinated by astronomy and space flight and all those things and just thinking about, well, how big is the universe? How far does it go? You know, what's at the end of it? Mm. Those kind of kind of questions, and and thinking of that in the context of God, it seemed to me that God has to exist. You look at the world, and it doesn't make any sense if He doesn't. And it's it's a very scary. Th- it was always a very terrifying terrifying thought to me, the idea that God doesn't exist. Mm. 
I can remember this had to be back in the 60s sometime, right? When Time Magazine had a cover that said, uh, Is God Dead? Oh, yeah. That was a famous cover. A very mm-hmm. famous cover, right? And we subscribed to Time. So I remember seeing that on, on the coffee table or wherever in the house going, Is God Dead? And that, that didn't make any sense, number one. Number two is like, well, how can God die? Um, but that was it, more that was more a yeah. question. If, if I recall, I haven't read the article. I just yeah. know of it. Yeah. But if I remember correctly, that was more a, a question of, is he irrelevant in America? Is he fa- yeah. fading? Of Are people no longer believing in God? You know, is he dead in that sense? Of course. But when you're eight years old, it's like you, you see that and you take it literally. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, sure. Right. No, you're exactly right. That's that's really probably what the whole thing was about. But in my, you know, child childish mind was like, what? What's this? No. Yeah. It can't be. Yeah. God's alive. And and you know, thinking about the incarnation and, and all of that, God God becoming a man in Jesus, that always just kinda kinda resonated with me. Mm-hmm. Um but you grow and you kind of make your own way in the world and, and as uh Kyle I think was saying just this Sunday, there comes a time when the Lord starts asking you, Do you really want to follow me? Mm. So the first time I really started to take that question seriously was in college uh, when I was dating a girl who was not a believer. Hmm. And pretty early on in that relationship, I started thinking, this is not good. Hmm. At the same time, I was so infatuated, I did not want to give that up. And so, forge ahead. But thankfully, the Spirit did not leave me alone in that. He Hmm. kept niggling me like, what are you going to do? This isn't good. And quite frankly, it was it was a very scary thought to break the relationship up off. And it was also a very scary thought not to. Mm. And, you know, I was torn between the two, and it, it, it took me a long time until finally, sometime after graduation, um, I was able to finally break it off. But it still was a struggle inside of me until I really got down and confessed before the Lord, and I repented and told him, look, this is your deal here. I tried to take it in the wrong direction. Um, I don't want to do that anymore. And it was at that point then the whole fog lifted and mm. the burden came off, and I think my first real experience of, of grace really inside. Mm. And... Um, just those first steps of really trying to follow the Lord, hmm. and so that, and that that so that was kind of a turning point. Now it's yeah. been a long journey since then, up and down, and but that would be sideways, kind of like probably in your mind the, the most significant kind was, of like awakening yeah. of your faith, yeah, as it were. Okay, the beginning of it, the gotcha. beginning of it, yeah. And then, how did you end up attending Red Mountain? Okay, so uh, we moved, so we were married then, 83, we moved out here, 80, 85, and initially we started uh, attending uh, Grace Community Church, and that was kind of, uh, after a while, became too much of a drive. And initially we were down in that area, because the company was down in that area, initially we were in Tempe before they opened up the buildings here in Mesa. Okay. And so that was a really good experience for us, but... Um, Really felt we needed something closer by, hmm. and so that was around ninety four. I think we started coming. We were still at the restaurant. 
Really? Yeah, we were still at the restaurant at the time. I was in seminary at the time. I knew Bob, I think, from a class or two, and also from our neighbors. Uh, they were attending uh, mm-hmm. Red Mountain at the time, and I knew some, some, of course, some guys from work. And I was going to to a uh, Bible study with uh, Bud DeVries and Steve Horney. I don't know if you remember Steve. That may be before your time. Well, but, I um, was going. Well, you said you said ninety four. I mean, yeah. we my family started going to Red Mountain ninety four, ninety five, ninety. Yeah, it would have been ninety ninety three or ninety four. I mean, it was well, like about the same time. Yeah. It was probably okay. about the same time. Yeah, yeah but but no, the Steve Horn doesn't sound familiar. and Bud DeVries Steve definitely. Horn, yeah. but uh, right. So I knew some folks from here, and when our neighbor passed away, we went to we went to the to the uh, memorial and. A lot of people were, were were speaking and talking about our neighbor and this and that and the other thing. And I'm looking around the room going, there's a lot of neighbors here, a lot of Mormons. Somebody needs to preach the gospel here. Mm. And Bob got up and nailed it. Mm. Mm. I like this guy. Mm. <laughs> and so that was kind of a very positive experience. Again, I knew some folks here, so then we, we decided, hey, let's let's go try it out because it's a lot closer to home. And, uh, you know, they seem to, to really line up with our, our beliefs and everything. And uh, that's, that's kind of how we came here. Nice. That, this would have yeah. been a pretty big change, though. I mean, Grace Community Church, was that a fairly large church? And then yeah. shifting over to this, these folks meeting at a restaurant. Yeah. In that sense, it was a big change. Yeah. Um, how... It's, I'm, the hardest I'm, I'm, part, really, though, was the smell of the breadsticks. Oh, I know. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, come on, they, they, they ought to pass those out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sunday it's mornings, like, you just by the end of service, you're just like, can I just get a breadstick, please? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the aroma of Christ is only so strong. Yes, the aroma of yes. breadsticks. Yes, that's <laughs> overwhelming. That's a very good analogy. That's pretty much what it was like. Yeah. My mind's blown a little bit because I think it probably speaks to just kind of like your quiet demeanor mm-hmm. that you, I don't remember your face as being a familiar one until you were already an elder at some point and we were at least in the gym. Um, and so when, how long have you been on the elder board and, and then how did you become an elder? So I think I joined in nine, the board, I came on the board in 90 or nine. Excuse me, 2003. Okay. 2003, so roughly nine, ten years after we joined. Mm-hmm. Um, some, somewhere before that, mid to late 90s, I started teaching classes. Okay, at the uh, church, at like the on, church. on Sundays? or Not on Sundays, no. I, I started teaching classes in the evening, evening classes, Wednesday evening. Okay. Um, just short you know, like six-week classes on the same sort of things I, I'm teaching now. That's okay. where I started really developing my mm, some material. Okay. But um, so 2000, I graduated and finally, and it was about the same time I think Dave Lindstrom also graduated. From, and, with, from seminary. Okay. From seminary, yeah. Sorry, I didn't clarify that. Uh, so we... we at the time, and I think still you can do this. Uh, alumni can go back and and take classes for free. Oh, um, 
Wow. And so we decided we'd go back. We were both trying to work on our languages at the time, and we decided to go back and take some take retake some of our Hebrew. Oh, wow. Cool. Um, and so it was during that time Dave brought that up to me. Hey, do you would you consider coming on the elder board? I was like, what? <laughs> that was just like not even on my radar. My my focus was on teaching, and, mm-hmm. and that's what I was going to do. I didn't really have in my mind to to d- really do anything else. And it was at that time they were starting to develop the the different subgroups within the elder board. Okay. And he said, look, this is what we're doing now, and we have this teaching subgroup, and you're already teaching. And so you would continue to do that, but also help to oversee the teaching ministry as a whole and things like this, write papers on different topics. Hmm. Um, So I thought, well, I could maybe do that. I don't know. So then uh, the process back then, I think, was pretty much the same as it is now, where you come on for like a year provisionally, and Mm -hmm. you see, is the Lord really calling you to this? And... and, um, you know, kind of, kind of goes both ways, uh, but at the end of that, um, you know, nobody strenuously objected to my being on the board. So just I, mildly just, objected. Just yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> so, so I felt like yeah, no, the Lord is calling me to this. Hmm. I better step up and do it. Though it wasn't like wow, do you really? You know, <laughs> it's kind of a big thing when. That's not even in your mind to do that. Oh yeah, sure. Now, what um, what would you say has been maybe, if not the most, one of something that comes to mind is that's that's really challenging or difficult about being an elder. You, you've been so how many years now? Did you say you've been an elder? Since two thousand three, so about eighteen years. Eighteen years. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, you've got quite a perspective on on what that is to to serve in that role. Most challenging is probably answering difficult questions from podcasters. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's a really good question, and and, and you know, I, I've been pondering that. Um, it, it's hard to pick one thing, but I'll say maybe at least recently, you know, getting through the the whole COVID thing mm. um, was kind of challenging. Especially in that, you know, when it all first hit, you know, we had planned to do a lot of different things, and uh, all of a sudden, all this gets put on hold because of the restrictions that are coming down, and mm. and you don't know how long is this going to last, what's really going to go on. So so all of a sudden, your vision of the future just goes, it's wiped out. Yeah, and you got to start all over again, and and. And uh, ask, okay, Lord, what are you, what are you working through this? What are you wanting us to learn? What are you wanting us to do? And for a while there, I think you know we were meeting every couple of weeks because of that, mm. uh, and that kind of became the same. Well, in, in two weeks we'll know more, mm. and in two weeks we always knew a little bit more, but <laughs> it went on, of course, a lot longer than uh, than anyone expected. But I think it was also, you know, it was a challenging time because of that, but it was also a great learning time, I think, mm. for us uh, as a board, and it kind of brought some things to the forefront, and it's helped us, you know, develop this a lot more, the the online material, mm-hmm. a lot more quickly than we probably otherwise would have, and... and um, and I think a lot of the things we learned in there too also fed directly into our most recent elder 
retreat and the things that came out of that that Hmm. Kyle's been talking about. So um, it's all good. It's hard sometimes when you're going through it because you can't see, and that's a little bit disconcerting, I think. Yeah. Um, But to get through it and see the Lord's faithfulness, He's with us the whole time, um, it's also comforting. Hmm. What would be confidence? Yeah. What would be something that uh, you know on the other side of the spectrum would be um, particularly fulfilling or or maybe enjoyable or however you would describe that um, about being an elder? Um, well, I think what I enjoy most is is what I'd be doing anyways is teaching. Mm. Um, but it's it's really been cool just to see over the years, and and it takes some time really to to really start to see this and see how it works. Um, is how the spirit moves in the group of every of the whole board, mm. uh, and to see how a lot of times we're not always thinking the same about a certain thing that that we're dealing with, but we pray about it together. We pray about it individually. We come together. We talk about it, and somehow the spirit brings us together. Mm. To a, to a point of consensus to throughout, point that, of consensus, throughout that right, conversation. Right, and just to see how, see how he works. Hmm. Um, it's just really, really an amazing thing. Hmm. And um, w- one thing that I've been really pleased about and, and, and happy to see, um, and at the beginning of it, I thought this is really going to be a challenge. Was was when Bob first came to us and said, "Hey, we need to start looking for the next guy." Oh, to replace and, him? Yeah, yeah. And, and this was really a number of years before, right? This mm-hmm. happened, and he thought, you know, we got to get ahead of this here, and uh, so we did. And I had seen this in other churches. I saw what happened at at um, the church we were at before. And when the when the founding pastor leaves, it can be a problem. Yeah, sure. And that was exactly what we wanted to to avoid. So mm-hmm. it was a good thing we started early, thinking about it, reading about it, studying what happened in other places. What did they do? What works? What doesn't? Mm. And the and the Lord kind of brought us together, one mind, how the process should work. And helped us set a timetable, and at the beginning of that, you know, we we had one, three, five years for this, that, and the other thing to happen. And I'm thinking, wow, that'll just be a miracle if this comes off. Mm. And it did. Mm. It mm. did. And along the way, you know, you're wondering, is this? How's this going to go? But again, the Lord brings us together, and you know, eventually identified Kyle for us as he's the one at. I think before we started, nobody would have said that. Hmm. We had no idea. We knew it needed to be somebody that we brought up from within, so it it would have to be somebody that was either there or that we would bring in and eventually grow into the role. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's how it worked. So it wasn't immediate, like, well, Um, there's Kyle. No, uh uh-uh, not not at all. That was not immediately clear. I I don't think, at least not to me, I don't think to to everybody Mm -hmm. there... um, Eventually, you know, his came to to his name came to the front among others as yeah. as one to be it. But the actually narrowing it down, yeah, he's the guy. That 
that took some time, but it was a very deliberate process to get us there so that when we got there, we knew we were in the right place. But again, it's the Spirit's leading that, that brought it all about. And to have been part of that, I think, is very, to me, very gratifying. Oh, yeah. Knowing that that could have easily gone sideways but didn't. Well, it must have really been something to see that play out and to gradually take shape. Yeah. Because like from just a like an outsider's perspective... It's very interesting. I mean, I interacted with Kyle some when I was on staff, and, you know, I kind of knew that Kyle, and it's not Mm -hmm. that he was like this, you know, punk and immature kid or whatever, you know. (laughs) But, I mean, I just, I didn't see him uh, in the senior pastor context. That just wasn't, in you know, and then he disappears and goes off and, and I think, was on Mount Sinai for a while (laughs) over Mm -hmm. in in Africa. And and when he came back and they were like, okay, you know, we're thinking of Kyle, you know, I have to admit my knee-jerk reaction was <coughs> nepotism, you know. Um, and, sure. But, but then that, mm-hmm. once he, you know, once he taught, I think it was just like a single Sunday, I was like, oh, what? Who yeah. is this guy? <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah, yeah. And I think he would tell you when he was, you know, doing the, the college pastor thing, that it was not in his mind, hey, I want to be the, you know, he was just, I want to be the college pastor for mm-hmm. now and mm-hmm. do this the best I can. Yeah. And then he went off to Africa to... to do his missionary work there, and again, it was that was his focus. When we called him and said, "Hey, we'd like you to consider this," I don't think he was even thinking about it mm. at the time. And and so, yeah, your concern, I think, was was a concern of a lot of people. Uh, how's this going to look? Yeah, sure. And which must have made it all the more difficult because I'm sure you guys yeah. were aware of that, oh, sure. of, of like what that could look like. Yes, you know, yeah. Yes. But at the end of the day, it came down to well, if this is the guy the Lord right. chooses, yeah. Hey, this is the guy we got to go with. Yep. Mm-hmm. And but that's that's where the process came into where you know we had to be pretty sure. Yeah. That's really where he was leaning, but yeah. we were, we yeah. were, and he made that clear. Wow, that must have been doesn't, cool. Doesn't mean it's easy. <laughs> sure, yeah. Doesn't mean it's easy, but you look back and you see the Lord's hand in it and how he moves. Um, it's remarkable. Do you feel like that kind of experience is bolstering even as you face the... Um, uh, the the difficulties that come with a given choice that the elders are making, you know, for yeah. example, you know, you see, you you come to a consensus, you see, you're making a difficult decision, yeah. and then you're seeing, as you kind of described, how God is orchestrating you all to come from your different perspectives, sometimes right. opposing perspectives, and then kind of arrive at this place of agreement of this of this vision, mm-hmm. um, even though whatever the choice is is maybe going to be there'll be some fallout from it or something like that. D- is the, it's, it, would you say those experiences, there's something strong about that process that helps you endure through the fallout that may come after that kind of thing? Yeah, I think so. I think, I think when, you, when you go through that and, and you've seen it over a number of years, then, yeah, your confidence grows that, hey, the Lord is, is with us, and mm. whatever comes out of this, He'll continue to be with us, because mm. He always has. Mm. And so, and I, and I think... At least for me, that kind of just spills out into other areas of life, too. Hmm. Um, well, let's nerd out about your teaching a little bit. Uh, okay. <laughs> um, so you earned, you, you went to seminary, you say, graduated about the same time as Dave Lindstrom, another yeah. elder on the elder board. Right. And it's, they call that a Master's of Divinity that you got? Is that it? That's right. Okay. 
Um, and you've done some additional studies in Hebrew, as you mentioned. You uh, you went back to kind of firm up some of that. Is that right? Yeah, we went back and took some classes afterwards. We're not taking. We weren't taking them for credit. It was just mm-hmm. for audit, just to, just to practice. So yeah. it's not really additional study like postdoc or postgraduate or gotcha. something like that. It okay. was uh, it was more just for for personal enrichment and and, okay. and practice. Okay. But, so yeah. then what? What made you pursue that? Because that was, it's it's not like, you, you said being an elder was not on your radar. Yeah. Um, so you weren't looking to get like accreditation so that you could maybe hopefully one day be an elder, you know? I mean, what, no. what, what was driving no. you to, to get that education? I wanted to learn. So the, this will go back a little bit before actually starting seminary, um, back again to when we first arrived here in, in Arizona and going to Grace Community Church. Um We'd been married a couple of years, and I think we both kind of felt, Tyson and I both kind of felt we, we needed to grow some more, we needed to learn, but we didn't really know what to do. So we're sitting in church one Sunday, and in and, and the bulletin there's this flyer for um, a class in apologetics, uh, Reasons to Believe or something this like that. Is it Grace Community at, at this Grace point? Community Church gotcha. at that time. They had a thing going, a ministry going called uh, Aletheia, okay. Aletheia Bible Institute, and these were evening classes that you would take for like six weeks, something like that, on a given book or topic or something like that. So we're, I think we're we both kind of turned to each other and said, "Hey, look, look at this," and we're both like, "Yeah, we need to take this class. This is something we need." And so uh, the guy teaching at the time, Dennis Hankel. Uh, was just a, a fantastic teacher, and we just ate it up. We loved this class, mm. and then took the next class. I think there was another apologetics class after that, and sometime later another class on, uh, you know, why believe the Bible, why should we trust the Bible, different books, uh, even dispensational theology, putting the whole Bible together. There was just a number of classes that we took from him that... that uh, really helped us grow in our understanding of who God is, who Christ is, what did he do, and and why is this true? Not just learning what you believe, but why you believe it. Uh, so it was just a tremendous period of growth at that time for mm. us. And I don't know, two, somewhere a couple years into it, Dennis comes to me and says, hey, you know, they're, they're um, the seminary in, in Portland, Oregon, uh, Western Conservative Baptist Seminary is, is coming to Phoenix and opening up uh, like a satellite school here that's geared towards people who work. And so they're, you know, evening class. And I thought, well, that sounds very intriguing. And at the time, I'm like, well, I just want to learn. I had absolutely no idea what would happen. I didn't even know if they, I, they'd let me in, right? I mm. got, you know, two engineering degrees. I don't know how to write papers really mm. I, I hadn't had all the, all of the uh, um, prerequisites that they require but somehow they, they let me in I think provisionally mm. and I thought well I might flame out here but it might be fun trying anyway wow. and so 1988 fall of 1988 I started taking classes I had hermeneutics with uh, Dr. Earl Rodmacher 
And it was just like, wow, this is this is even more amazing than mm. the stuff I've mm. been in already. I, and it was it was just a desire to learn is all I had at that point. I had absolutely no idea what the Lord wanted me to do with that eventually. Why it's, was it started to become clear, but. Oh, mm-hmm. I want to back yeah. up just because yeah, yeah. I, I realize that hermeneutics might be a word that doesn't that is oh, yeah, people yeah. don't know. <laughs> yeah, so, like, why why would <laughs> tell yeah. why would so hermeneutics, hermeneutics be exciting? Just basically, how do you how do you interpret scripture? Yeah, right? mm-hmm. yeah. And and all the studying I'd been doing up until that point, you know, apologetics and studying about cults, and of course, living in the neighborhood with with a lot of Mormons and, mm-hmm. and talking with them and with the missionaries and. You know, they try and read the Bible and tell you, well, what it really means is this. Well, how do you, how do you talk to that? How do you say, well, what is what is Scripture really saying here? Yeah. So hermeneutics or Bible interpretation—that's that's a real fundamental class. Yeah. Um, so yeah, thanks for helping me clarify that. Yeah. No, I mean, well, I <laughs> you mean, said, you said nerd out, and I took it literally. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we want to so, bring other people into yeah, the yeah, nerdly world sure, that we for love. Sure. <laughs> keep keep me honest here, please. So with um, with but, all. Of, oh, sorry. Go ahead. So yeah. So I had I really didn't have any idea where that was going to go when I started, uh, but after a while, after you know, I was I was on the long track, right? 1988 I didn't is when I started and oh, yeah. didn't graduate till 2000 because I couldn't really handle much more than one class at a time. Well, yeah, and they were they were kind of gracious enough to let me slide, but um, eventually, yeah, it got to the point where it's like, okay, you got to do something with this now, hmm. and that's that's when I got the idea. Well, I wanted to teach, and I thought back to the classes I had with Dennis. I thought, you know, that's what I want to do. What hmm. he was doing. And so that just kind of led to kind of uh, looking for opportunities to do to serve in that way at uh, Red Mountain. Was at that- Red Mountain was yeah. So by that time I was by the time I was um, well before that uh, I had some teaching opportunities when we were still at Grace. Okay. Um, leading a home Bible study was was the first thing I I did. Then started teaching some. Subbing in in our our adult Sunday school class. Okay. Um, I think those first few classes I taught weren't weren't really very good, but <laughs> <laughs> but somehow uh, here we are. So, had you ever? I mean, you know, you said that being an elder wasn't on your radar. What about yeah. being a, a pastor of some kind on a on a church staff? Yeah, you know, I never really felt the Lord calling me to to pastor it. I don't I didn't feel like that was really my main gift. I mm-hmm. wanted to teach. Yeah. That was for sure. I had I had a love of the word and a love of seeing people really start to grasp it mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. that they could understand it and and also to be able to defend it and yeah. and um those sort of things were kind of close to my heart cuz that's that's where I really started to grow, and and so really that was that was all I was looking to do was to be faithful in that just 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 be a teacher, be a lay teacher. Yeah, um, I, I th- didn't feel like the Lord was calling me to do anything different in terms of my employment. Well, I am so. I'm glad that you honestly have this laser focus on teaching. I think that's such an important distinction to make because we can assume, I know I did as a kid, I just assumed that 
the guy at the church that's going to have the highest chance of giving me the answers I want is the pastor. Mm-hmm. But a pastor is, you know, as the word indicates, a, a shepherd. Now they've yeah. they've probably gotten some education and some schooling, and so they're, you know, ideally For they're sure. going to be more set up than the average person. Well, you sure. go to some churches, you know, well, you know, you don't even, not you, here. You don't, yeah, that's not the case at Red Mountain. But you know. Um, but they're also in their preparatory education. They're taking other kinds of classes that are that have to do with that broader shepherding role mm-hmm. that are preparing them for that. Yeah. And so I think it's so valuable to have people, whether it's in a volunteer capacity or on church staff or whatever the case may be, who have that laser focus of I am going to dedicate my energy to learning and then sharing what mm-hmm. you know what I learn. And so I really appreciate you and guys like you. Um, Thank you, yeah. I feel it's important, too. That's, uh, and, I, and I really feel like that's what God has called me to do. So. Hmm. And he's, he gave me the opportunity to study. That who, always, who, who gets that opportunity to study you know, while they're working? Yeah. Doing something totally different. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. um, okay, so. so you've been one of our regular adult classroom teachers on Sundays, for yeah. a long time, yeah. and I've noticed that you have a focus on apologetics-related material. You've yeah. mentioned that was kind of an area yeah. of interest of yours. You've done classes on world religions, on the reliability of the Bible, things yeah. you know in that yeah. kind of ballpark. Um, any particular reason that that's been an area of interest for you personally, like since the early on? Yeah, well, like I was saying, you know, it, it was classes that we took at, at Grace initially. With Dennis, that that really kind of um, kickstarted our our growth, really, hmm. in terms of learning about mm-hmm. the faith, who who Jesus is, what did he do, why is it important, why is it true, mm-hmm. can we really believe it's true? Yeah, and so th- those sorts of things, because that was so formative for me in my growth uh, as a believer. That's that's really what I wanted to share. So that's and that's just kind of been my my focus. It seems like to me, like apologetics kind of comes into everything from from one angle sure. or another. Yeah. And and um, and so that's really what what I want to do in, in in my classes, whether I'm teaching a Bible class or whether I'm teaching something that's specifically on on apologetics. There's always kind of that kind of that bent to it. Mm-hmm. I think. Um, because I think it's just very important for for believers to understand what is it do I really believe, and why do I believe it? Why is it true? And it's not really about winning arguments. Mm-hmm. It, it is about being able to articulate clearly to folks who have questions. Um, but it's not really about winning arguments. It's or any of that. Or it's really about building up our our faith. That too, but mostly it's just about being faithful to the Lord and mm-hmm. honoring Him uh, with our mind as, mm-hmm. and, and our feelings, our heart, the whole, the whole works. Mm. Um, so it sounds like there's like the the itch that gets scratched by studying and teaching apologetics for you is so is is something related to the blessing of 
the mind and just kind of yeah. like and, and just exercising that and putting that to work yeah. for God's purposes. For me, it, I because I this is the point we have in common. I love apologetics. Uh-huh. I have been uh, big into apologetics for years, but it's much more selfish for me because <laughs> I have a bent toward being uh, worrying and anxious about things and doubting. And I have the what if monster that lives in my head at yeah. all times. And it's like, yeah. well, what if? What if this isn't true? What if it's a bunch of baloney? You know, what if, da, 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 what if I missed something? What if yeah. I missed some detail that the atheists know about <laughs> and I missed that detail, you know? And so, yeah. and so um, I can silence that monster yeah. um, in those moments of doubt. And likewise, when, when there are times of, um, I'm at a crossroads of obedience, um, then that reality check that is provided by apologetics for me can help me uh, yeah. lean more toward uh, trusting that God's way is the right way because He legit exists, you know, yes. and and what He uh, has expressed in His Word is reliable. It's a reliable communication from Him to us. Yeah. So, so it becomes really kind of personal on that level for my walk. Um, are there any other facets that that enter into your love of apologetics, or is it, or is it mostly in that area of I just love? Because you're an engineer, and so it wouldn't surprise me if if, yeah. it's, if it's really just like <laughs> I love the beauty of of this, sure. the, how this all sure. fits together. together. Yeah, yeah that, well, that certainly plays into it, the beauty of it. But uh, I, I think most of us, myself included, can relate to your monsters. Mm-hmm. Um, And certainly at the beginning of it, that was a big part of it for me, was was being able to deal with those things, Mm -hmm. yeah, and and to see, hey, you you really can deal with this. Mm -hmm. Um, Ultimately, though, you you know, and and all of all of that that study and data and 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 thinking through those things really does help, I think. Uh, the other side to that, though, is is the ministry of the, the Holy Spirit, and I, li- I like what what Bill Craig does with this. He says there's a difference between showing Christianity is true and, and knowing. knowing it's true. Mm-hmm. And yeah. if you're a believer, how do we know? Well, it's the inner witness of the Spirit, yeah. really, that gives us that conviction. But also studying and and thinking about it and learning. Uh, is is the other side of that coin, and the spirit uses those things too. I think in our lives to to help to help build our faith, and it's the same for the, the unbeliever. We show them by by answering questions, by saying no, and, and showing by a whole variety of different ways. Mm-hmm. Christ makes sense of of the world. Mm-hmm. He makes sense of you, your life, and how things work, and then the spirit is able to use that in, in a person's life to make those connections and, and bring that conviction that conviction too. Um, so so I think it's it's real important to have both those things. Um, and they work together in, in the in the believer's life mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to strengthen their faith. But I think for me my, the the drive I have for teaching it is I want people to to, to be able to Fight those demons, like you're saying. If if they have doubts, if they yeah. have questions, and we all do, yeah. we all do, and it's it's not a bad thing. Uh, it's really an opportunity to grow in faith. Yeah. And and you ask what's what satisfies me? Well, 
I think what I really like is when I'm able to see that, when I'm teaching a class and you see somebody out there and you see the light bulb gone. Yeah. You can see it. Yeah. And that's uh, great. That that is really a satisfying experience mm. to to see that and to know the Lord has used me to help somebody mm. answer a doubt, answer a question. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And see what that does for the person. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, I so I really enjoy that. I yeah. so appreciate that you continue to have a passion for that. I appreciate um, the the classes that you are faithfully teaching, and uh, I hope people that have maybe never uh, checked out your classes before, or maybe never thought like, "Oh, I, I'm I'm fine. I don't you know I don't need an apologetics oriented thing," would maybe see some of the the benefit of that and yeah. come to your class and allow their light bulbs to be turned on and experience yeah. just the the benefits and. And joy and peace from yeah. from what might at the surface seem like a, a, a very intellectual thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you. Well, thank I, you very much. Yeah. Thank you so much. My pleasure. I was looking forward to that conversation and really enjoyed talking to Richard. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, well, okay. So first, just tell me something that stood out to you from that conversation. I think for me, what I was most like impacted by and really excited for people to hear about is his love for the Word and desire to teach, and yet not the slightest inclination that he was called to pastoral ministry, because I mm. think for a lot of people, well, if I love reading the Bible and I love even studying the Bible and going really deep in theology and helping people grow in that, I must I must be called to be a pastor. Yeah. And it's not always the case. Yeah. And we don't... I think that's just a beautiful thing that um, he's just an example of. And so really excited for people to hear about that. And it encourages me um, to know that, yeah, we just have been blessed at Red Mountain with all these teachers who, yeah. you know, he wasn't even looking to be an elder or pastor. Yeah. Um, he has been called to be an elder, but um, just thought that was really, really cool. Yeah. Yep. I, um, I mean, very predictably for me, it was most interested in, talking about the apologetic stuff mm-hmm, you know, and getting sure. into that. And that's been such yeah. a, a major part of my faith journey. And just hearing a little bit of kind of like what uh, gets him jazzed about it compared to, because I suspected that kind of like what I get from apologetics, what that mm-hmm. personally does, how that benefits me might be a bit different. And and he did, we did have some common ground in there, you know, right. with, with the dealing with doubts and stuff, but... But I, I wondered if the engineer yeah. thing would would there right. be there'd be an aspect 100%. of it was just like a you know one of those a beautiful mind type things mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah so all these pieces fit together like a puzzle it's yeah, beautiful yeah. Yeah. yeah and I'm sitting there listening to you guys talking like I have even like a third like it's similar but a third different kind of love like a reason for loving apologetics it's just interesting different people can come yeah. to a similar yeah. thing from different perspectives and passions so that was really cool yeah yeah so again guys uh, be on the lookout for. Richard Weisenberger's uh, classes and uh, see if there's one that even remotely interests you and give it a try. Give it a try because uh, you know, this, he's doing great stuff and great content in those classes. And I took a class with him. This oh, did you? Yeah, I took the um, Can We Trust the Gospels class. Oh, okay. Excellent. The audio is actually on the website, I believe, oh, and I cool. would recommend listening to that. And yeah, any class he teaches, 
he's just an excellent teacher and is great at answering questions. So I, I would I can vouch for it myself. I've been nice. in a class and he's wonderful. Nice. I forgot about online. Yeah, check and see, and you can get it, get like a sample there at least. Mm-hmm. Yeah, awesome. Okay. Well, that is it for this episode of the Red Mountain Community Church podcast. You can follow Red Mountain Community Church on Instagram and Facebook, where you can also leave us comments and suggestions to help make this show better, if that's even possible. Also, uh, be sure to subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening so you don't miss out on the next episode. In the meantime, I'm Peter Franson. And I'm Zach Hollyfield. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you on Sunday.